Good morning. I did send something to the podium. Did you receive that? Okay. So, uh, how about we pray? <laughs> and so, Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege to come to remember your son and to give him praise. We pray that you will guide my words and thoughts, that they will do only one thing, bring glory to you, encourage the saints, and draw sinners to salvation. So Lord, I pray that your spirit will walk today and just guide us and direct us, that all that is said and done will be to bring glory to Jesus Christ. I pray you meet all of us where we are at. We are at different places in our lives, but Lord, speak to us where we are at and just help us, Lord, to find hope and strength as we look to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, I'm told the PowerPoint is supposed to work. I haven't done PowerPoint in a long time. So decided to do PowerPoint this time. Hopefully it works. If it doesn't, we can go on without it. So we're back to Romans chapter 8. I was supposed to finish Romans chapter 8 um, last year. Didn't finish, so I thought we should uh, do it again. So the title is More Than Conquerors, I Believe Our Security in Christ's Freedom from Fear. So my slide is a little bit... Uh, a little bit fancier than usually is. That's because the artist uh, took it and then worked on it. Mine was bland, just plain white background. But So if you find it fancy, blame the artist. If you find it fancy and you like it, give praise to the artist. Okay. All right. So more than conquerors. And uh, I think uh, if there's any passage of scripture that I believe that all believers should know, should be familiar with it, should claim it, should own it. It's Romans chapter 8. It's a great passage that I believe all believers should know. I spoke about it in October of last year. I went through the freedoms that we have in Christ. And there were four of them. And uh, went through them. And uh, continued in December of last year. And I was doing 31 to 37 or 39, but didn't finish. I gave uh, four, uh, uh, there were supposed to be four arguments why we have freedom from fear. I did only two or three, I believe. So I, I want to finish it up, but I'm going to finish it up slightly differently from where it was. So, more than conquerors. So, I think we should read the passage before we get into the message. Romans chapter 8. So, let's read together Romans chapter 8. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of Christ dwells in you. Notice this verse. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that we may also be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of these present times are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travailed in pain together until now. And not only that, they, but ourselves also, we have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do 
do we with patience wait for it? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestine, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So that's, uh, the, uh, that's the entire passage, but we are focusing on verse 31 to 39 this morning, so Let's read. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the church of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution of famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's enough preaching on its own. So what does the preacher have to add? I do have questions. I hope this works. What am I supposed to do? Pray something? I'm not, this is new. This thing is new. Oh, all right. Which one? Okay. All right, so I have two questions for you there, which you should try to answer. I'm going to engage you. Start with the first one. What do you think is the most dangerous ideology in the world? There are no right answers. There are no wrong answers. It's not exam. You're not going to fail or pass. Just to engage. What's that? Atheism. Humanism. Uh, there are so many isms. 
So, so many is Marxism. Atheism, atheism says that there is no what? No God. God doesn't exist. We know that's fake news. It's not true. Everybody knows that God exists. Marxism says what? What does it say? <laughs> what does it say? Sorry? A lot of bad things. <laughs> it says a lot of bad things. So, but we are looking for the one that is. Do we have a pointer? So, where's the pointer? The green button. Oh, good. So, so the key, the key phrase is this: dangerous. That's the key phrase, and I want you to think about that. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with Mr. Mark. Mr. Mark, maybe you can explain to us what humanism is. You said humanism is the most dangerous. I'm inclined to agree. I'm God. That man is all there is. We are the one, we have all the destiny, we have all the solutions. We are the sum total of it. Nothing else is higher or greater and we can achieve whatever we want to achieve if we put our minds to it. Science will save us. I heard. What's that? Divination? Okay. So, that's another option. So, from a perspective of danger, I think sometimes even Christians can think that way. I do this for God, I do this for God, I do this for God, I do this for God. Therefore, God must do this for me. I'm in charge. I run the show. And so we can think that way, which is not true. So, well, I have another question, as you can see. What is the most powerful creature living on earth today? This thing was more colorful than this. So, so what's the most powerful creature living on earth today? What's that? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Blue whale. Oh. <laughs> that's, uh, well, it's possible that it's probably the most powerful. That's, that's an option. What else? Rhinoceros. <laughs> All right. There are no wrong answers. Because I've never seen an elephant find with the grizzly bear, so there might be no wrong answer. So what do you think is the most powerful creature living on earth today? Satan. Satan. All right. Any more answer? Human beings. Getting close to what I'm thinking. Getting close. Getting close. Yeah. The Lord, the Lord of hosts. Okay. All right. So there are no wrong answers. You've all passed or failed, depending on what the answer is, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to take you to Romans chapter 8. Again. Romans chapter 8. 
So train your eyes or put your eyes to verse um, 36. I think that is where it is. I need to put on my glasses. Romans chapter 8, verse 36. Verse 36 of Romans chapter 8 is referring to believers. And it gives them a title or a name. It says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Did you notice that? So if you are not a believer, that let's begin there. You need to become one today. And all believers are sheep. And if you read the previous verses, you will notice the things that they go through. I read in John chapter 10 this morning, intentionally, that we are the Lord's sheep. And in Psalm 100 verse 3, it says, we are the sheep of his pasture. And it says, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then, did you notice verse 37? And it says, no, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I'd like to suggest to you that the most powerful creature on earth are the Lordship because we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, you see, humanism says we are the sum total of all things. But we know we don't have victory on our own. We lean heavily on the Lord, and the Lord is our victory. And so we overwhelmingly conquer through him that loved us. All right, so now let's leave this uh, behind and then move on. This was just a pop quiz. Am I supposed to face somewhere? Just press. I am. All right. I don't know whether it is lagging behind, so I'm not sure. Okay, no, it is not, so I need to keep my notes. So let's read this from the New Living Translation again. Romans chapter 8 from verse 39, 31 to 39. What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, the us there is believers. The ones that believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We were told about what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. So... Uh, and uh, what it means to believe about and what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, Lord, the us day is those that believe. If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who day accuses us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. 
For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth beneath, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul asked five questions. In this passage, it asks five questions. What shall we say to these things? Who shall oppose us? Who shall accuse us? Who shall condemn us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's important that in talking about these five questions, that we define the us. It's not referring to all humanity. It's referring to those that have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that have recognized that they are sinners in need of salvation and have surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So these questions are for those people, not for all of humanity. I want to emphasize that. That's important. And so he asked five questions. What shall we say to these things? Who shall oppose us? Who shall accuse us? Who shall condemn us? And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? From what to who? To what again? From what shall we say? To oppose, accuse, condemn, separate. Those are strong words. Opposition, accusation, condemnation, and separate. And in fact, it increases in order of intensity. So let's see if we can deal with this. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? That's Romans chapter 8, verse 31a. What things is he referring to? The blessings that are mentioned in Romans chapter 1 to verse 30. Things like no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Things like we know all things work together for good to them that love God. So those are the things it's referring to. There's only one thing we can say about these things. Only one thing. God is for us. That's the greatest blessing. When you know that God is for you, nothing else is important. God is for you. 
That's the meaning of grace. Those five, uh, four words, God is for me. So he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So we can only say one thing, God is for us. It's a wonderful thing to know that the one that made the whole universe, the one that holds the whole universe in his hand, the one that controls the seasons and the times, the one that holds all life is for you. It doesn't matter what the opposition is. You need to realize that God is for you if you are a believer. That's what we can say. God is for us. Then let's move on because I, I want to be able to finish not too late. I will be late but not too late. Who shall oppose us? And so he adds in verse 831b, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Uh, This morning's breaking of bread was very, very, very wonderful. As I was stepping out, my daughter said, it looks like they are preaching your message during breaking of bread. I said, that is good. It means God wants us to hear it many times. That's a great thing. You see, friends, God is for us. And God gave us his best. We were told that. The greatest love that God had was for his son. The best he ever had. But he offered his best for us. He gave the Lord Jesus Christ as a gift to us. And Paul is saying here, since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. I like the way the New King James put it. Gave him freely, freely for us all. And he says, won't he also give you everything else? It's a wonderful thought to realize that God is not against you, but God is for you. And that God has good plans for you, that he will give you what you need to live life and to live abundant life. It's a good thing to know that. So who shall oppose us? The answer is nobody. Because any opposition to anybody that opposes us is indirectly opposing God. So we have abundant victory. Who shall accuse us? Uh, I'd like you to think of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, when he was on earth, for example, he had lots of people opposing him. They didn't like him. And so what was the next thing they wanted to do? They wanted to find a way to get him killed. So they had to find a way to find some accusations against him. And of course, when they had accusations, they took it before the Sanhedrin, and then they took it before Pilate, you know, hoping that he would be condemned, opposed, accused, condemned. And ultimately, the idea was that he would be separated from us, killed. Opposed, accused, condemned, separate. See, intensity of hatred, you know, moving along those lines. So, but it says, who shall accuse us? Who they accuses 
us whom God has chosen for his own. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. You know, there are so many people that think that they can work for their salvation. You know, if they keep the laws, God will be pleased with them. It's not possible to keep all the law. And so that's why you need forgiveness from sin. And not just forgiveness, you need to be justified, to be declared right before God. For God to give you a righteousness that is not your own, that comes from his son. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him that knew no sin to be seen for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So no one, for God himself, has given us right standing. Well, when it comes to accusation, you remember the song we sang. It says that Satan does accuse us. In fact, in, Roman, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible says that this is a constant ministry of Satan. It says he accuses the saints night and day before God. And also it's possible that the world accuses us as well. That's what we see in John chapter 15. And sometimes fellow believers accuse other believers. But then God has cho chosen us. And if he has chosen us, no one can accuse us. He has given us right standing before him. That's a wonderful thing to have. It's a great thing and a glorious thing to have. To have a just standing before God, it's a wonderful thing. I'm moving on. Who shall condemn us? Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. I really like, this is where I'm supposed to start today. So I really like this set of words. Jesus died for us. He took care of our sins. Jesus was raised to life for us. And Jesus is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading, interceding, or praying for us. I am really, really grateful that you pray for me and that you remember me in your prayers. But sometimes I'm sure you don't remember me. Sometimes you forget me. I do the same thing. Sometimes I don't remember to pray for you. But there is one that is constantly, there is one that is constantly praying for me. There is someone that is constantly praying for you if you are a believer. He sits at God's right hand and is praying for you. So you can move out in life knowing that not only did Jesus die for you, not only did he rise from the dead to justify you, he is sitting at God's right hand and he's praying for you. Pleading on your behalf. Advocating on your behalf before God. 
That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to know that I am not forgotten, that you are not forgotten, that he knows you by name and that he mentions your name before God. That gives grace and it gives a lot of strength, a lot of boost to life. Because not only did he die for us, he's living for us, pleading on our behalf. So he's at God's right hand, praying for us. Now you may want to ask, what is he praying about? Look at this verse. I'm sure he's praying about many things. He prayed for Peter. He said, Satan has desired to sieve you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. He prayed for all believers in John chapter 17 that they might be with him where he's at. But here we are told, because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Friends, this is one of those verses that says the believer has tremendous security because the Lord Jesus is interceding on his behalf. Not for today, not for tomorrow, not for day after, but forever. Pleading on your behalf, upholding you before God, pleading your case before God. To me, that's tremendous love. He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't forgotten you. He's talking to God on your behalf. When you are struggling, when you are weary, when you are weak, and when you are, the enemy wants you to stumble, the Lord Jesus is pleading for you. When you feel weak and you don't know what to do, he's pleading and praying on your behalf. So you're not forgotten. You are one of the objects of his love. Let's move on. What shall separate us from God's love? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Uh, this translation says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. It doesn't mean any of that. Tribulation. Circumstances that are very difficult. Persecution. When people intend to do us harm. And all of these things. Christians face this. But even when they face this, the Lord doesn't cease to love them because they are going through this. And sometimes we mistake some of these things and we say, well, you know, if the Lord loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. No. We are sometimes faced with these things so that we will press, we will draw closer to God. Some of these things draw us closer to God and then we see the, our need of him. They need to lean and to depend on him so that we can come to the limit of ourselves and get rid of humanism and become dependent on the one who can carry us through. And so nothing can separate us from Christ's love. None of these things that are listed here have the potential 
to separate us from the love of Christ. And so we go on. In Acts chapter 12, remember that the apostles were preaching and uh, they were talking about Christ and Herod arrested James. And what did he do to him? He killed him. And uh, because it pleased the people, the next thing he did was to do what? Arrest uh, Peter, hoping to, you know, also execute him. But the Lord stepped in, and Herod died before Peter died. In, in Acts chapter 7, oh, sorry. In Acts chapter 7, now it's walking super fast. <laughs> Stephen was arrested as well and was killed. And Paul that wrote this message tells us the things he went through. Now let's read this verse together because this is one of those verses that tells us that Christians sometimes face difficulties. So this verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 27. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, Paul says. But I've served him far more. I have walked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the city, in the desert, and on the sea. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have walked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? None of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. So Paul mentions all of this to let you know that he wasn't just somebody might say, well, you know, Paul wrote all of those things in a romance because his life was full of uh, no trial, he, was, he had everything he needed. Everything went very smoothly for him, so he was just writing some theory. No. The man had more suffering than all of us in this room combined. And yet he stood tall because he understood that nothing, nothing was able to separate him from the love of Christ. And so the same thing applies to us. So Romans 8, 36 to 39 is a good place to read. As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day long. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. How? Through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell 
can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord, even though we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. In spite of all of that, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So the believer should live with confidence because the love of God revealing Christ Jesus, as was mentioned this morning, is the greatest force or bond that we have. Those are the list. I just put it there again. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Nothing on all creation can separate us from the love of God. So we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We don't conquer in our own strength or in our own knowledge or in ability. We conquer because we lean on him because we know that his love gives us security and assurance. So we lean on that love and that's where we have victory. From helpless sheep to overwhelming conquerors. How is it that possible? Only through the God who loves us. We overwhelmingly conquer by trusting not in our, in our own effort, but in God. Friends, we should live with confidence knowing that even if we were to be taken away from this life, God's love takes us through to eternity. Nothing can separate us, not even death itself, from the love of God. That should give us confidence in life that we have tremendous security. God's love, the greatest force on earth I heard, is very strong and nothing can separate us from that. Now this is somebody's prayer that he prayed, you know, a while back, I won't read it, but uh, I can send it to you. It has to do with the fact that God is the one that keeps us, that sustains us. He never leaves us. He's for us, even when we don't feel that he's for us. Even when we don't feel that, even when we feel that the whole world is against us, God is for us. And that gives us confidence. So then, may we go forth secured in God's love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. I really like this little child just secured there and is going forth. So may we go forth secured in God's love. I don't know how your week is going to be, but remember, nothing can separate you from the love of God. So we're going to sing together more than conquerors. That's a song, More Than Conquerors. And I want you to sing it as you mean it, and then uh, that your heart will be encouraged as you sing this song. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to read your word. That's all we did this morning, just read your word. 
I pray that we will meditate on that word and find joy, hope, and life in all of our situations. We thank you for your great love towards us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.